0: Hey there, it's Phil Harwood. Just want to take a quick minute before we begin today's podcast episode and talk to you about our live and in-person events. We had three events scheduled for 2021. We've already had two of them. Our Inner Circle, sponsored by EventTrack event, was very well attended and was a great event. And uh, just recently, we had our Forum for Sales event, sponsored by SnowX, sold out. Uh, We had a great event there as well. We have one more event coming up. It's called Grounds in Institutional Management. It's really focused on site um, issues, operations, engineering, equipment, everything having to do with, with running a snow event and planning for events. This is going to be September 8th and 9th at Milton Cat in Milford, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. So we hope to see you there. Registration is open right now at snowfightersinstitute.com. Welcome to the Snowfighters Institute podcast where we hear directly from some of the most interesting people in the professional snow and ice management industry, to learn about their successes, to hear about the challenges they faced along the way, and to have their perspective on critical issues facing our industry today. I'm your host, Phil Harwood. Before I introduce today's special guest, I'd like to invite you to follow our social media feeds and check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Well, hey, everybody. I am so excited today to have as our special guest on the Snowfighters Institute podcast two fine gentlemen who are going to engage with me. And a very interesting conversation on a topic that's near and dear to all of our hearts insurance. First of all, Will Allen is a principal with the Allen Insurance Group and founder of the Green Industry Captive. And also, we have with us today Ben Westendorf, who is the owner of Envision Facility Solutions based in St. Louis. Thank you both for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, thanks, Will. Um, well, I want to start with Will um, because Will has a new addition to his family, so I want to hear about that.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's been crazy. We have a, uh, a two-week-old daughter in the house now, and she is um, she's our firstborn, so it's all uh little new to us i i have uh nieces and nephews so i i've seen it from the outside but i've never been there you know in the middle of the night when uh we're trying to get her to go back to sleep so we're we are in the thick of that going through it uh but mom and baby are both doing awesome um it, it definitely puts a new you, i think i always knew this was coming but it, it just to be in the middle of it is uh is cool to see but it definitely puts a new uh perspective on a lot of things so uh they're all doing good. Uh, we're getting as much sleep as we can, but we're just, uh, we're, we're enjoying the new addition.
0: That's great. What a blessing. So very happy for you, man. Thank you. Well, let me hang with you, uh, Will, for a little bit. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, well, I, I graduated from Texas A&M University, um, and really got straight into insurance. And And the quick answer is, Uh, Phil, nobody wakes up and says, hey, I want to be in insurance. They just uh, wake up and happen to be there. Uh, uh, Kind of a a running joke, if you will, in the industry is, you know, nobody plans on being in insurance, but everybody just ends up here somehow. So um, I I didn't have a fighting chance. My whole family is in the insurance industry in some form or fashion. Um, And so I kind of just Uh, accepted is probably a good word that that's where I would end up. I did not uh, study it in my undergrad. I actually just had a business degree, Um, but I just knew, Hey, I I will probably get into the insurance industry. And that's, that's exactly where I ended up um, right after college. I, I started with a, so basically my families have all uh, basically had their own own agency, um, things like that within the industry. But I, I went a different route right out of college and went to a, a big regional brokerage, um, in, in the Dallas area. Um, and was just, just your typical producer there. I, w- I was a sales guy there. And, um, I, I came in obviously right out of school, young, but not a lot of, uh, CFOs want to trust anything with their business to, to a 24, 25 year old. Sure. Um, and, and, and rightly so I didn't blame them. So, um, so I did that for a few years. And that's really where I learned about the captive concept. We had a a, a subsidiary at, at our um, company there that all they did was captives. And so I really just got interested in the concept and interested into what everything was. And, and so that's kind of um, where I learned ab- about the captive side of the industry, um, and then kind of fast forward to, um, I came over to, uh, and, and became a principal over at Allen insurance group, which was a, uh, it was started by a family member. And so I, I kind of got back in the family business, so to speak, and, uh, and then formed the green industry captive re- really out of necessity, um, we have a lot of clients that uh, were, are in this, this kind of green industry space. And, and now being in Texas, most of them are fall on the landscape side of things. But um, back this last year, we we had a few of them that had to get into the snow and ice removal back when we had that, that crazy storm back in, in, in February or March. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, needless to say, it was when I would talk with my clients and, and, you know, we all want to do a good job for our clients, uh, despite what some people may have as far as their experience with with insurance. I know it's, it's not necessarily always a fun thing. It's something everybody has to have. And, and hopefully they rarely have to use. So a lot of times it can be looked at in a negative light. And again, I, I completely understand that um, as well as the, the industry as a whole does a really good job of uh, making things overly complex. And so right. just you wrap all that together and, and it can get frustrating. But mm-hmm. um, all, all of my clients, they all said the same thing. They said, Will, we're not having losses, but our premiums keep increasing. And that just doesn't make sense to us. So the the, the big way you can really help us is to um, is to help our help us lower our premium and, and kind of in a nutshell. that That's one of the big benefits of a captive. And so that's kind of how. Um, how how we we started really looking seriously into uh, how can we form a, a a industry specific captive that, that kind of fits all the, or checks all the boxes we're looking for, so to speak. And, uh, and so that's that's kind of where we're at and where we've been here the last, the last year or so. Let me pull Ben in here.
2: Great. Thanks Phil. Yeah. So I'm a little older than Will. So um, I've, I've had more of a sorted pass and my line isn't quite as straight to the industry I'm in now. So so I'll try to be brief. Uh, you know, I graduated from a school in Ohio called Denison University. I actually have a degree in chemistry. So I, I ended up with that, but did not go into that field. Ended up in um, a lot of other things, became an executive, became a consultant, you know, had done different businesses. I think my biggest affinity towards the end was the construction-related fields, and did a fair amount of, uh, work in that and really enjoyed it. Um, got lured away to a big corporate America type company. You know, we're talking fortune five company and went there for a while only to find myself completely miserable. You know, we're a management company. We, uh, we do a lot of different commercial related services, but we're primarily snow. We're he- weighted heavily towards snow, which is good and bad for a lot of reasons and insurance absolutely does not like that so that's a that's another topic we'll talk about as well today Uh, but I ended up in this this industry uh, just out of uh, wanting to have my own business so I've created other businesses as well but this is my primary one and uh, that's kind of the story up until this point so you know we're a management company so I'm not a direct provider I don't have the equipment and the guys I subcontract everything Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people in the industry that have either negative viewpoints or bad perspectives towards management companies, but I'm a small business. I'm not like the really large guys out there that have really given management companies a bad name. Um, this business was part of a commercial real estate entity. So similar to some of the big guys, just on a much smaller scale. And uh, we operate in 10 plus states. I have several hundred sites we take care of. And uh, that's a little bit of a the story for Envision.
0: Great. Thank you. Where are you based out of, Ben?
2: So our headquarters is in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. So when I say 10 states to I always think about states that I can drive to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So especially in the snow industry, if you have to take care of an issue, it's good to know you can get there in in a relatively short drive. Mm -hmm. And by short drive, yeah, that could be eight to 10 hours.
0: Okay. So if someone's listening to this podcast and they're a 10-hour drive from St. Louis, they potentially could get some business from you
2: yeah only going north though you know there's you (laughs) know other than what happened down with will this year in texas (laughs) you know that's not one of the markets we Mm -hmm. we go after for snow right the the unusual dallas and atlanta events are intriguing but not interesting enough to to throw my hat in the ring you
0: know we need good fm companies in the industry that we can work with Ben, let me stay with you. Um, I want to talk about insurance here. What led you to explore a captive idea?
2: Sure. So, you know, like Will says, you know, insurance is necessary, right? It's a necessary component of doing business, especially with a lot of our customers. They require a certain level of uh, insurance. Just like any property management company requires certain levels of insurance. It's the same thing contractually. So everybody covers, uh, you know, their general liability, their workers' comp. Automotive, if they have vehicles, obviously, and then some type of umbrella policy, right? So that's kind of the cost of doing business, right? It's, uh, it's required. And I would say when I got into this business, when I acquired it, it was a lot different, right? So that's not quite four years ago, but um, I think the industry, you know, in regards to snow removal uh, for insurance, you know, it was pretty typical. I mean, there's some ups and downs, right? People have some issues. They have non-renewals. They know all about that, but it wasn't ever a problem trying to find another provider or carrier to, to rewrite their insurance. So sometime over the past couple of years, that's changed. Um, I have theories, but as a business owner, my, my theories are probably a little bit more wild and unsubstantiated will probably has better metrics on why that is. But over the past couple of years, less carriers are actually uh-huh. writing either new snow business or renewing those contracts. Um, I think it's some of the, the high risk or just the way that they're assessing their entire portfolio. Um, so the options to get insured are, are narrower for e- existing businesses. And, and I'm not even sure what it's like for somebody who'd like to start a business, especially when you get into the commercial side, you know, you need a certain, You know, I have a customer that requires a certain level of coverage, and it has to be rated insurance, right? And that's a whole different, uh, you know, aspect of insurance, Uh, and sometimes a lot more costly depending on what your revenues are and the type of work you do. So, what
0: does that mean, Ben? Let me sorry to interrupt, but what does that just what does that mean? Rated insurance.
2: So, and Will can correct me if I'm wrong. So I'm going to just kind of simplify to rating actually just proves to. You know, whatever one of our customers is that requires it, that the insurance company that is writing our policy is able to pay if there's a some kind of a claim. Mm-hmm. So they rate it, and if it's rated too low, then maybe they haven't been so good at paying out, mm-hmm. um, which is why most people say A or A minus rated type policies. And it's a it's in a national system. Like I said Will's more the expert on that, but there are some carriers that'll mm-hmm. write insurance either directly bonded or or directly with them that aren't rated. Got it. And um and, and you can get away with that. Larger customers, more savvy customers, they require it. Because they they're used it. to the liability. Yeah. They're used to slip and falls or accidents or or issues. So they know to ask for those type of mm-hmm. things. So Thank you know you. that's a, that that type of insurance uh, typically carries I would say a heavier premium. Mm-hmm. when it comes yeah, down to it. it. Makes sense. Yeah, so the long story short is uh, I think whoever wrote my original policy didn't do me a lot of favors and then the carrier certainly didn't do me a lot of favors when it came to addressing different uh, uh, incident reports and claims and lawsuits and that. And, and it carried some terms in the, the industry that people love to hear about, which is loss runs. And that got me into a non-renewal state in such a bad way that my premiums skyrocket, and I don't just mean by a little or doubled, but I'm talking like a tenfold increase. Right, that's business crippling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what led me to the captive market because I'm like I cannot afford to have these premiums ongoing, or you know I would essentially have to shut my doors. And um, I, I explored captives. I realized as a private captive, like just my business owning a captive, was very expensive had its benefits, but unfortunately wasn't rated and not easy to get rated. You know, I met Will through kind of my vice president of operations. They connected via LinkedIn. You know, I'd kind of hit hit a wall on my side. I reached out to Will saying, hey, I know all about Captive. What are you doing differently? And he is doing something differently with creating a group. So it's not just individual, but there's a group of similar providers like snow removal providers that carry, you know, a lot of risk or have had different issues in the past with insurance and are just trying to reduce those premiums, kind of share in that kind of cost, Mm -hmm. share in that risk, and hopefully, you know, allow premiums to be reduced, some of that money to go back as a business owner into our pockets because, uh, and it's a different relationship too, right? We're a group of people like-minded because I would say insurance has become much more like prepaid legal because it's a very, very difficult process to, uh, to engage easily and correctly on a lot of these incidents, because, I mean, I think the lawyer's costs are are the biggest part that chews up premiums, not so much, you know, damages or maybe medical bills, but sometimes it's just the legal fees of them going back and forth about who's responsible. Sure. It's, it's kind of spiraled out of control in a way that I'm worried for any other business that has a non-renewal or has to renew and, and has an expanded premium that they can't really afford uh, just because the market is no longer friendly.
1: Um, so, and, and I'm even going to take uh, about a half step back and, and kind of explain snow industry insurance problem r- real briefly. Uh, but basically what's happening is everybody, everybody knows, I mean, Warren Buffett loves insurance, right? Cause he loves making money and he's good at it and insurance. It's all about numbers. And so they're, Typically, pretty profitable. And so I say that to say insurance carriers, they like to insure industries that make them money. Well, what does that mean? That means they're not paying out losses on those, that industry or those insured's behalf. Well, with the, with the snow removal, snow maintenance industry, what's happened, especially over that, that last kind of three, four, five year period Ben was talking about, was it really comes down to um, the contract. Right. And so um, it, it's kind of it's kind of I've always used this this analogy and I hope it makes sense to uh, everybody. But uh, it's it, you know, when two people are in a relationship, whoever cares the least has the most power. Right. And, and that's kind of how it is with with these uh, providers and these uh, their their clients, these big box stores. You know, somebody like Ben's company, they, you know, at some point they got to go, Hey, we will do what you say. Cause we need, you know, we need the business. And, and I, I'm going very general on this. Um, but a lot of those contracts, the, basically the, the gist of the problem is a lot uh, because of essentially case law and the precedents that have been set. A lot of those contracts that are gotten into say, Hey, provider, you can't come out and clean until there's, half an inch of snow on the ground, Um, you're not even allowed to come out. We're not paying you to come out. But if there's only a fourth of an inch of the snow on the ground and somebody walks on the property and slips, oh yeah, by the way, in the contract provider, you're assuming liability for this premise because you're supposed to be cleaning it. So it's kind of a catch 22 of the provider can't go out until there's, you know, say half an inch of snow on the ground. But if there's less than that and somebody still slips the way the contracts are reading, it still puts that provider liable to pay for that. And that's where those insurance companies are going, hey, you know what? There's a coverage within insurance called medical payments on your general liability. And I'm not going to get too into the weeds, but basically that's that's a goodwill payment that the insurance company does. Because when somebody slips, they say, hey, we'll cut them a five, ten thousand dollar check. So that they'll go away quietly. It'll fix, you know, it'll fix their knee. It'll fix whatever it'll pay for their doctor bills and and, and it'll, you know, it'll take them away quietly. Whereas if we don't pay that and we get into a fight with them, it may cost us 50 or 100 grand in legal fees like Ben talked about and or just, you know, them up in what they're asking for and what they're demanding. So, if you wrap all that, and that's a lot of what happened on Ben's side, he didn't get too much into the details, but his carrier was very um, was very uh, generous with the med pays they were paying out time after time to where, you know, when you look back at it on that policy period, they had paid out a lot, and therefore they were saying, hey, Ben, we don't want to insure you anymore because you cost us this amount of money, when in reality it wasn't truly his fault, it was just they decided to you know, to, to, to pay the money. So each of those claims went away. So, um, and, and we can, we can go into detail all day long, but I want to, want to keep that relatively brief. I just wanted to address, Hey, here's what's causing a majority of the issue within the industry. And that way, hopefully we can get into the captive and what that is. And, and and there's why it's, it's, it's a, it's a good uh, solution.
0: Um, yeah, I got to jump in real quick and tell a real quick story. Early in my career, I was in management. And I had a a customer in this retail location sit down and then start yelling. I literally saw this person sit down and start yelling. She didn't fall, didn't slip, just sat down and started yelling. Ran out there to see if she was having a heart attack or something. She said she slipped. Call risk management the corporate office. Hey, I just want to give you guys a heads up. This paperwork's coming over. You know, Mrs. So-and-so, you know, claims she. But I literally saw her. She didn't fall. Okay. And they go, oh, yeah, we already paid her crazy so yeah it's, and, and good, and it's
2: good that you talk about that and will talks about that because you'd have to edit so much of me out because i won't stop talking about it because it gets it gets your emotions insane. heated and you get very passionate about it yeah. i mean i told will the story recently and i'll keep it promise to keep it brief somebody slipped and fell they saw a patch of ice and instead of stopping and reporting it to the property manager decided to navigate across it mm-hmm. and um even admitted that they parked in a spot that has poor drainage so it kind of slopes down that way slipped and fell claimed a lot of things at the end of the day they want $14,000 and i'm giving you very specific numbers because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a lot seems like it could be paid and settled but that didn't that didn't come out until we had about over $50,000 worth of combined legal expenses to find out that he wanted $14,000 wow. and mm-hmm. and it's not done because the mediation failed and it's just going to keep going and then you're going to have the lawyers from one insurance company try to try to go after their recovered costs to the other insurance company for a a poorly stated or fraudulent claim. It's it's a mm, vicious spirals. circle. Yeah. yeah, I don't even understand how sustainable that is in the long run.
1: Right, exactly. And it's it's funny and we didn't know I don't think it, all three of us had not talked about any of those examples before this, and so it, it's just—I uh, think it just really kind of seals the deal, so to speak, of going, "Hey, that—that's a lot of what the issues are." Is it's—it it is. It's just uh, opportunist. It's uh, the insurance company again. They know what they have to do and what they need to make, and this and that, and they know paying out these little claims are going to be a lot easier than like Ben's situation. They could have paid fourteen grand. Instead, they you know probably paying 50 60 at the least and it's it doesn't take a, a a genius to figure out hey they would have paid a lot less if they just paid the person to go away so that's that's what happens and and the, the the business owners are left holding the bag for it because the insurance company they're, they you know they're essentially playing with money that's not theirs in a sense they're going to pay it out but they're going to come back to you year after year to 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 make sure you're making them whole
0: so that's the crazy uh, part of it yeah they're like acting on your behalf and then and then you're the one suffering for it So um, yeah, well they're
2: they're acting on your behalf without really counseling with you, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if they're like, if Will says like, they'll just send a ten thousand dollar check and never tell me, and I don't find out until I get a loss run report four months later that Mm -hmm. they did that. Yeah. And I think that's uh, I think that's very negligent and professional courtesy. But I agree. You know, there's really no, there's really no way to to combat that. None that I know of. But that's also why. I'm working with Will yes. to try to, to try to change that.
1: Will back to you. What is this captive thing? Yeah. So, um, so to, the, the, on the, on the scale of where a captive falls within insurance, there And I'm going to use general terms because I think most business owners, most listeners will understand them. There is what's called your standard insurance or your guaranteed cost is another way to put it of, hey, you pay your premium and they pay out your claims. Right. It's, it's just your typical insurance. That's over here, you know, on the left. Well, on the the exact opposite end is being 100 percent self-insured, saying, hey, I'm not I'm not paying premiums to, to insurance companies. I'm just going to pay these. Uh, claims out of my pocket. That's that's what a lot of these Fortune five hundred companies, when you get to a certain size, it just it's it's a lot more profitable for you to go ahead and just pay your own claims rather than going to insurance. So those are the two extremes. Right about within the middle between both of those is, is is a captive strategy and ben Ben mentioned a little bit a little bit of this earlier and that there's a lot within the captive strategy there's multiple different ways to form a captive you can do it all as one company you can do it as a group um, there, there's there's a few different ways and that is why um, but but again Going on, all in on your own doing a captive is going to cost more because it has to be funded and, and there's some rules around it that we won't get too into the weeds, but I'll, but I'll explain. So what we're talking about just to set the stage is a is it's a group captive, a member-owned group captive. And really, the reason you basically well i guess i'll start with what is that, that it, it's a group of like minded business owners like Ben and, and other business owners like him that would come together and form their own private insurance company and when I say form their own company, they're not running it day to day they're helping make decisions as far as like a board of directors and, and, and voting shares and they they're getting the benefits right they're investors so they're getting you know the, the financial benefits the dividends paid out to them but I and I specify that to say I know I've I've had business owners before go hey man I'm running my business last thing I need to do is get into an industry I don't know anything about and start a business and so I, I say all that to say you're not operating it day to day you're 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 essentially um, just an investor but you do have say so in it um, and and again I I'll get into that a little bit but basically a group captive it gives it gives you flexibility and control over your insurance program and you'll see that woven throughout anything we talk about it comes back to the business owner having flexibility and control um, over your insurance program i I played sports growing up, so I kind of refer to it as it's kind of the give me the ball in the fourth quarter mentality because it's, hey, you want to live and die on what you can do. And that's exactly if you take that mentality into insurance, that's that's what uh, that's what a group captive is. Um And with, so for a group captive, just again, too, there's all kinds of reasons to get into one, but really the, the, there's two big ones. There's a, there's financial reasons, which is because you're going to get a lot of dividends or underwriting profit back. There's a potential for that. And and I'll go into detail on that in a second. And then there's the second one is you're actually reducing your overall risk. Um, And so uh, that, that one's the easiest one to explain. And so I'll, I'll hit that one first, but. Uh, most people go, oh, well, if I'm going to benefit from this financially, you know, it's just how things work to get more of a benefit, you're going to have to take on more of a risk. So it, this is going to be riskier for me to do. And it's actually not that way because what insurance is and just your general insurance, it it is a um A group of of a certain group of people that come together to share a risk among the group. That's that's just fundamentally what insurance is, whether you're talking about your auto insurance, you know, personal auto insurance or any kind of commercial insurance. It's a group of insureds that come together to share a risk among themselves. Well, in your standard insurance uh, situation, Ben is coming in, say Ben's with and I'm going to insurance carrier X, okay? Say he's just has a general policy with insurance carrier X, He he's not only sharing risk with everybody else that's in his industry, he's sharing risk with everybody who has an insurance policy through that same insurance carrier. Because what happens is, like I said, insurance carriers are very good. They go by the numbers. They're very good at making money. So they're going to look at that group and go, hey, we need to get this amount of money from this group in order for us to ensure we get a profit. So if Ben's not having a lot of claims, but another company is, he's subsidizing that other company because he's going to have to pay more than his fair share because the other company's probably paying less than their fair share because they're the ones having the claim. So the group captive kind of irons that out. Um, so you're, you're you're swimming in a cleaner pool when you get in a group captive because they're, they're companies that are. Um, they're qualifying. It, it's not anybody can get in. It, you have to be above average as far as your loss history or your your you know your your, your loss runs, like been referenced. Your your report card of how many losses you've had paid out. That has to be above average. So not everybody gets in. There are standards you have to hit. Um, and so because of that. The, the group you are now sharing risk with is a lot higher performing group. And so therefore it doesn't take as much money to fund the, the insurance or the protection, the coverage for that, that, that given group. So you're all that, that was a long way to say you're actually exposed to less risk as a business um, by, by joining the group captive. Um, and the second one, and I'll say probably the, the sexier reason of getting in a captive, the one that most people know more so is the financial benefits, which is getting uh, the chance at getting underwriting profit back. Um, so and, and how you're and I'm going to go back to the, how standard insurance works, because that's what we're making the comparison against. But your standard insurance. um of every dollar you pay in premium goes to sit in what's called a loss fund for that insurance company. It's essentially a bucket of money that they allocate 70% of your premium to go into that. uh, What that pays for is obviously anybody in the group who has a claim is paid out of that loss fund, but that 70% bakes in a set profit for the insurance company. And so Basically, again, that's kind of where it comes back to. You could be, sub- if you're high performing, you're subsidizing a lot of the lower performing businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 70% of your premium goes to sit over there. Well, whatever's not used at the end of the policy period that that insurance carrier is turning that into retained earnings or profit. So, so when you don't have losses, it doesn't benefit you. You've paid your premium, whether you have a lot of losses or no losses, it's only benefiting the insurance (laughs) carrier. right? Right. So, um, The other 30% of that premium is going to pay for all the fixed expenses of the insurance carrier. You know, it's keeping their lights on, it's paying for their commercials, it's paying for their employees. That's where 30% of your premiums go in. So what a captive does is that 70%, instead of the insurance carrier getting the benefit of getting that back when you perform well, you now get the benefit of getting that back when you perform well. Got it. Who runs the company though? So the company, like I said, it's member owned. So any member has a voting share, they get to help make decisions. And there are also a board of directors made up of those members that typically what would happen is, is each member gets to rotate on and off the board, assuming they want to be part of the board, that that's who, that's who helps make decisions. But then that's where we come in and we actually manage the day to day. We manage the captive. Um, we have, uh, partners, CPAs, and attorneys that manage the legal and the uh, financial side of it to where mm-hmm. each, uh, each member would get a financial statement at the end of every month or end of every quarter to see how the cap is doing financially. Um, but other than that, they're not doing anything on the day-to-day task.
0: Got it. I do want to make sure I ask both of you how someone can get a hold of you if they want more information. Because I know people right now are going, all right, this sounds interesting, but I need to read about this. I need to talk to Ben. I need to talk to Will. So, Will, how does someone get more information about this? Can they contact you directly or do you have a website or how can someone get
1: more info? So you, you can go to uh, www.greenindustrycaptive.com. That's our website. That'll give um, information. We have a about a three-minute video on there that um, is a pretty good does a way better job than I probably just did of a high level overview of hey what is this concept and how does it work um, and it's three minutes it's not like me that can go ramble on and on it's, it's three minutes so you know how, how much time is taking uh, but you can also get in touch with me directly uh, and you can send me an email it's will at com and Again we can we can set up a, a few minutes to talk where I can go into more detail and give you really the the nuts and bolts of what's going on. You, you, uh, I think uh, I th- we, we've given the, uh, the benefits and, and why you may want to think about it but I can really get into hey here's how it works and here's why it works um, if, if we want to connect that way. Yeah, that's cool.
0: Okay, awesome good. thank you for that. Ben, how about you if someone wanted to track you down and maybe uh, chat with you about Envision facility solutions? Or even your perspective on the captive idea. How can someone reach you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, I'm pretty passionate about uh, helping other businesses, especially around insurance. Like Will said, a lot of people don't take the time to understand insurance, but I think it is time. So I'll make myself available. My website, envfacility.com. It's real easy. You can do ben at envfacility.com or the phone number is 314-332-2133. I'd be happy to chat. I would be happy to tell kind of my horror story and what I'm doing to change this. And uh, because I've learned a lot about the industry and insurance more than I ever wanted to know. And even even once I get to the situation where I feel more comfortable in my position, it's not going to stop me from making sure others understand What's happening? Why it's happening? Because I think everybody's potentially one non-renewal away from having a crisis,
0: yeah, and possibly
2: having to see if their doors are staying open. Because I was there last fall, and and I hate to see that. Not in this economy. Not in this world, especially for small businesses.
1: Right. No, that that's exactly the question. I was going to jump in and say, you know, we kind of posed the question. Well, this, you know, clearly this is not great insurance uh, for. Snow removal, snow maintenance is not great in in a great situation in the industry as it is. And it's probably just trending to get worse. Like Ben said, who knows? It could be, you know, any one of your listeners tomorrow that, you know, their carrier says, hey, we're pulling out of this market. It may not even be their fault, but they realize, hey, snow removal is not profitable for us anymore. So you don't have insurance next year. You got to go find somewhere else. I hear it all the time. Really? Yeah, exa- exactly. And, th- and that's the problem. And the way for us to fight this is it really is coming together as an industry and um, putting together this captive. Um, it really is a way because, again, this captive is direct competition against insurance carriers. That's 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 really what it is. It, it's a it's a better mousetrap, so to speak, to where you're getting a lot of the benefit as a business owner rather than having to give it all over to um to the insurance carrier. And so that, that really is, uh, it it does, it kind of takes massive action, so to speak, to get something rolling because we are kind of going up against this industry, this this, uh, insurance industry and this, this monster. Um, But if we got something like this going and, and, and what, you know, kind of pushing this through that's that's what's going to change the industry because now there's a legitimate option that, um, it, it, it is it's, it's kind of the proofs in the pudding if, if with a captive if you're truly not having losses and don't deserve to get um you know non-renewed by your insurance carrier you're never going to have a problem in a captive and and i'll tell you 98 percent of people who get into a captive stay in a captive it's just not something you get out of because they get in it and realize it works yeah. and so um i just wanted to address that um we, we are, we're putting the final touches on. We're just, uh, we're, we're gaining a few more interested members and then we are ready to go. Um, and really that, that's, that's the big, big thing we're looking for is just people who are interested, who want to have the conversation. There's no, um, no commitment. We, if you can't tell already me and Ben, we're pretty passionate about this. We like talking about it. We're both you know, I, I'm, I'm even now I'm up at about 2 a.m. every every night with the baby. So I have, yeah, I have more sure. than enough time to talk. But uh, right. But yeah, so that, that's what we're looking for. And that's why we want to just, you know, get the word out, because like you said, a lot of people don't know about this. Um, and the last thing I'll say is you, you asked earlier, how's ours different? Uh, what we're doing is different two ways. One, because it's industry specific clearly there's not a snow industry or a green industry for that matter, uh, captive uh, that's dedicated strictly to the industry. And when you do a captive that is dedicated strictly to an industry, um, a lot of the, the secondary and tertiary benefits are magnified because it's all within a, a one industry rather than a lot of captives out there have people from multiple industries. And so that's one uh, big benefit of it. The other one is most of the time you have to be paying 250 300,000 uh in your auto general liability and workers comp lines of coverage so your premium has to be north of 250 300,000 what we've done is we've we've lowered that tremendously down to about the $50,000 range to where if if you're paying around 50 and above you're a good fit for this and if you're paying a lot more than that you, that doesn't mean you're not a good fit we have interested members right now paying a lot more than 250 and again they, they like it they're interested because it's industry specific uh but those are really the two reasons why we're different and even kind of why me and me and ben started talking and he realized hey you're not you're not telling me the same thing that that my other captive option was so yeah
0: the captive is an insurance company so the bigger, the better, right? The more people that are in the captive, the better it is for everyone because you have more resources to pull from and everyone's risk goes
1: down, right? Exactly. It, it diversifies the risk, right? If you have five people, well, you know, if one of them, you know, something happens with one of them, it's only spread over five people or four others. And, but yeah, so exactly what you're thinking, Phil, yeah, that's exactly 500 right. It's better than five. So, yeah, so
2: exactly. on behalf so of the I'll industry, tell you, we I'll need tell more you people. this. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll tell you this from the business owner side. You know, insurance is supposed to protect your business and not the profits of that industry that's supposed to be serving you. So this puts the control back into our hands. Yeah. Right. It's the same insurance you would get on the street, you're just not paying for the privilege of being part of their group. You're you're paying to protect your own investments. That's yeah. what it's really about. Oh, that's great. I think we barely touched the iceberg. I totally agree. So I'll, I'll invite (laughs) us both back. You know, if you get enough interest, I'd be happy to come back and talk more because I think the more we talk about it and it won't get redundant. It, it's really about education, education, education. People have to take notice so we can change it. That's the only way to change it.
0: Yeah, we will absolutely do that. So, well, anything else?
1: No, I mean, you, you've been, you've been great Phil letting us, uh, Letting us get on here and, and talk and talk and talk. And, uh, yeah, I, I think exactly what you said. If, if there's people can shoot me questions directly, if they get them to you, I'd, you know, I'd love to come back on. And if there's enough of them, address, address them. Um, but. Yeah, this this is. we can get real into the weeds, and frankly, that's what we will do once somebody says, hey, I'm interested, you know, and we kind of move them them down uh, the steps of, you know, general interest to, hey, we're starting to kind of peel back the onion and and show you how the gears work, so to speak, of it uh, to get you comfortable with it. And just so everybody knows, you you will see, if you were ever interested, you will see a five-year pro forma based on what you've done over the past five years. If you would have done that in the captive, and how you're gonna, how they project you out for the next five years, because it's scary how accurate down to the dollar amount actuaries can get with how many losses each person and the group should expect. And so I say all that to say, you're going to see everything five years back and five years forward before you ever have to make any kind of decision or put any kind of, you know, pay anything, do anything. So um, like Ben said, we're just, we're just trying to get that education out because it does, it takes, it takes you hearing it two, three, four times before you start to go, okay, this is, this is familiar. So Um, yeah, other than that, there's, I don't think there's anything, um, we left out that is, that is kind of high level on it, but, uh, definitely I'd, I'd welcome any and all questions.
0: This is a fascinating side of the business that, that, um, let's be honest, you know, I think most, most
1: people that are in the snow industry are really not that educated in The, the biggest thing is you can, you can turn your insurance program, which is essentially probably one of the, the top two or three expenses right behind maybe right. payroll. Uh, you can turn that into a profit center. Cause again, if you're going to put a hundred in, you're going to get, you, you'll, you'll, you'll get, you'll get a good amount back at, typically you probably average about 15 to 20% returns back over the, you know, year over year. So, um, and I know it's kind of bold throwing those out, but looking at the industry and looking at uh, even the group we have right now, that's that's kind of what somebody can expect is a is a fifteen to twenty percent essential dividend back every um, every policy period year. So um, yeah, it, it really just turns turns one of your largest expenses into into a into another sh- source of revenue. I really think a lot of people
0: are going to benefit from this, and and I would encourage every single person. Listening to this, to reach out to Will and Ben and, and pursue this. If I was a contractor today, I'd be all over this. Will, I would have been the first person to sign up. I look forward to round yeah, thanks. two.
2: Thanks for having us on, yeah. Bill.
0: I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Snowfighters Institute podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, become a subscriber today so you won't miss any future episodes. And don't forget to check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Now go for it.